Hey everyone, welcome back to Money Made Easy. And in this episode, we present to you our first ever interview. Today, we sit down and have a chat with Rahul Rai. Rahul is an actor living in Los Angeles and also a social media influencer with over 400,000 followers on TikTok and 200K on Instagram, where he actively promotes financial literacy and documents his own journey to financial freedom. In this interview, we talk about investing, side hustles, and personal finance. We also discuss the current education and corporate system, and we dive into the importance of using social media and attention to create leverage and drive your passion. Our conversation taught us, taught us a lot, so we hope that you enjoyed today's interview with Rahul. Hey, Rahul. Thank you for joining the podcast, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is uh, You're the youngest podcasters I've ever spoken to. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited. You know. We were partly inspired by you. you I know? see myself in some ways. <laughs> That's great. And, you know, for the audience who doesn't know about you, uh, can you just quickly, you know, give us a brief yeah, introduction sure. and describe yourself? For sure. Um, I am actually an actor. Um, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, at The Real Rahul Rai. Then I also have a side passion for uh, financial literacy, side hustles, investing money. And so I'm like a huge advocate for uh, people getting financially literate and self-educating. So that stuff you can find at The Layman Investor on TikTok and, and on Instagram and on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, basically actor, I guess, investor, trying to educate people, trying to get people to uh, self-educate themselves on, uh, on money because it's basically one of the most important puzzles to solve in your own life. Right. And we think your videos are, are really great because they're crafted in a way that that's funny and engaging and most of all, easy to understand. Because so. yeah. so. like, well, I mean, you guys are in high school, so I kind of remember high school <laughs> and like when you're, uh, when you fast forward your life 10 years from where you guys are now, the teachers that you will remember the most probably are people that were very engaging, really passionate about what they taught. Um, put in some level of entertainment or humor. Yeah. And, you know, re regardless of whether you're still using the subject or not, like those are the people that have the most impact on your educational experience. So, you know, I, I try to instill some of that into what I um, post and create. And it's like finding your own voice and instilling that and not making money this like white old guy kind of a thing because it's just, yeah. it just doesn't have to be that and and for sure people, because yeah yeah like we think you know when we started learning about personal finance and all that it it seemed like kind of intimidating at first and you know you don't really know where to go so yeah. i think like with your videos it's really great how you like simplify for everyone even like teenagers young adults and yeah. like even for older people too it's like great what you do. Do, you do you guys have like a stock market club in your high school or something yeah, we have we have something that's like a small stock market club um, where they talk about investing and stuff like is that. It, but it's know, not... is it mostly like stock picking and trying to beat the market kind of a mentality? Yeah, yeah like, like, really like Wolf of Wall Street kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's not really this long term investing type no. fundamentals that you really need to learn, especially yeah. for people who aren't trying to be day traders exactly. and who aren't trying to like watch the market twenty four seven, but instead don't want to have their money sit in like a savings account for the rest of their lives. Yep. It's basically like, that's why I call it the layman investor. It's for the layman by a layman who's got other things to do and has other passions, but still 
like you said, should invest their money and not just save it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, you know, we love your concept and everything. And so we were kind of interested, you know, you're like, you're so huge on TikTok and Instagram now. So we were wondering what was like the point or what was the beginning of your financial journey and when you became realized like, oh, there's like a whole new world that school and education doesn't necessarily teach you. Yeah, it's basically started after college when I graduated and then I had like some money in my savings account and it wasn't doing anything because this is, this is around like 2013 that I graduated. So interest rates were like really low. They're still really low. So mm-hmm. anybody's money that is in a savings account is just not doing anything. So I was like, I got to learn how to invest. I've always admired it. I think a big part of that came from my sister who I still remember driving me to like Bank of America to open up a CD account when I was like a kid. So there's a lot really? of there's a lot of that now that I've kind of self-reflected a little bit. Um, but I'd all, I was always fascinated by people who could take a dollar and turn it into $2 by some legal means without necessarily working like a job to do it so that's i see yeah so so that's when it like kind of started at 22 i just started invest like going on investopedia wikipedia learning about etfs but it wasn't really until like 2019 like 2018 going to 2019 that i found the right books the right voices the right mentality and then really started executing um at 2019 and then into now. So it's been a bit of a journey, a lot of self education It's all self-education. So it takes mm-hmm. a little longer when there is no structure to kind of guide you and nobody around me knows everybody around me is afraid of the stock market. Yeah. That's yeah. typically how it is, especially yeah. when, you know, they see just stocks going up and down. They're yeah. Like, they're like, or, they or they, they're just jaded by their own bad experience. Yeah. They, they didn't know what they were doing. They let their brokers mm-hmm. do everything. And they didn't cash out at the right time because they bought this thing that they didn't understand. And, you know, people just make dumb decisions. And it doesn't have to be that hard. Yeah. And they don't, I, I feel like people just don't take the time out to educate themselves before throwing the money into their stock market. And then they realize that, oh, well, I'm losing money. It's better just to keep it in the savings account where it's 2% yeah. a year rather than lose money. But then yeah. they realize they could have put in like an index fund or something like that where compound compound interest dude i just think about like if they taught us financial literacy and then we started if i started at 18 yeah holy crap exactly (laughs) i because imagine like i think we're like we at the point of our podcast you know try to get people ahead of the game but for the people who have it and like now they're in you know their 40s and 50s like the potential they left out because school didn't teach them it's like basics it's personal finance and how I don't know why this is the real world. I don't know why yeah. you focus on other things. My theory is like the whole, it mm, depends what you read, but sometimes I think there is a game at play and it's not in the, let's say governments because it's a government education, it's a government run education system and there's a lot of bureaucracy. It's not mm-hmm. in their best interest for their business model to actually teach people about money because they'd probably lose a lot out on taxes and interest from loans and things like that. Um, it's much more profitable to create employees. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think yeah. there was this book that we read called Excellent Sheep. Mm-hmm. And this book had highlighted how these Ivy Leagues and these big schools are kind of, you know, machines to just generate employees, like yeah. perfect employees, not perfect you know, entrepreneurs, but yeah. people who could work for other people. Yeah. 
It's interesting, like if you if you read um, if you watch uh, Chamath Palapatia or Naval Ravikant, they're both like VCs, and um, mm-hmm. they're really interesting to to listen to about wealth creation and and they have a it seems like they have a very cold hard footing into how the real world actually works and a lot of it is about economic incentives and it's really all run on economic incentives and so therefore money becomes really really important but the thing about money and creating leverage to get money is that money in some ways if you have no humility and you forget where you come from and you have no perspective it can be very corrupting. Mm-hmm. Sure. But if you have that, like if you don't, if you guys like become super wealthy, but you don't forget where this podcast started in your room in high school, broke, nobody cares, nobody's listening, nobody, nobody's watching, that's yeah. going to do a lot of good for you psychologically. Come millionaire, billionaire, like making $1,000 a day or $30,000 like from side hustles investing. Because that way you will then become wealthy people that have retained your moral compass to then pay it forward and actually help change the very infrastructure of the game that we're all playing. Right. For sure. I think, I think it's mm-hmm. okay. So what I was, I was about to say was it, I th- when I read rich dad, poor dad, I think what Robert Kiyosaki, the main thing that he was saying was when you give back, you yeah. still, you're going to get back yeah. and in his flow game. The same thing happens. If, mm-hmm. if you choose to give back to charity, you're going to get more in return. Yep. So I think that's the main thing that a lot of people overlook. And there's, a very there, good there, there's nothing wrong. Here's what I've learned. Like, cause now I'm delving into the world of side hustles and creating money online. And I took this great course called the one funnel away challenge. And yeah. that helped me a ton, but really like one of the biggest things that I got from it is that there is nothing wrong with selling to people and making money off people as long as the value that you're creating and giving is higher than the price they're paying. Now in order to, so, so, so the price of something is usually objective because you know what you're going to pay, but you don't know the value you're going to get. So because value is kind of subjective when it comes to a service or a product, but if I'm able, so, so in, in order for me to understand your sense of value, I actually have to listen to you. Mm-hmm. So it makes me, if, if I'm doing sales right, and if I'm doing marketing right, and if I'm making money the right way, I'm actually having to force myself to listen to my customer base through the DMs, through the emails, through the content, through however channels I have to communicate through the emails uh, or like the email list. Like I need to listen and make it very customer consumer centric if I'm going to then provide value at a certain price. I see. So you kind of want to, you know, tailor it to your consumer and then, yes. you know, try to give them the best benefits that they can for like whatever price point you have. Yeah. So if I charge you a hundred thousand dollars for a coaching service, I must be able to give you more than a hundred thousand dollars worth of value and return that you can tangibly get and see. Mm, yeah. Mm. So, so, I feel like, so people, there are mm-hmm. people out there that coach at $100,000 a year for private mentorship, but they will help you build like a million dollar business. Right. Yeah, so it's the, like return on investment. Right. So the ROI is there. It's a positive mm-hmm. ROI. The problem be- becomes when 
you're paying 100K or six figures, but you're not leaving with anything that's going to give you enough leverage to then make the money back and more, which is where I think the present education system is at. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, continue. Uh, yeah. So I was, I mean, a lot of people talk about like the value of a degree and it's for, for me, at least what I think is obviously there's a value of a degree because you're going to show that when you go for a job. Yeah. But then again, you need to think, what am I getting out of that education that I'm paying $200,000 for? What am I getting? Because I'm, I'm in debt that I'm going to have to pay to first till I'm 60. Right. Am I going to have to suffer like 80 hour work weeks till I'm 60? Do I really want to do that? Right. So it, it just, picks like so you the, know you got to see the price value. value ratio is kind of off exactly there's nothing wrong sure. with you paying 200 grand that's the thing that people don't i feel don't understand there's no there's nothing wrong with you paying $150,000 $250,000 to go to NYU if NYU was then able to give you the leverage to get a job that could at least get you that much or more mm -hmm. for sure within and a, within a reasonable amount of time Exactly. And, you know, if in case, in fact, you know, when you go to that school, let's say NYU, and then you end up paying that money and you don't, end, it doesn't really end up paying off to like, you know, exceed the benefits or the time that you took. It also took you four years of your life. Yeah. Time is also like your biggest asset. And yep. then when that gets taken away, it becomes a lot yep. harder to, you know, get your feet wet again. Yeah. Because there are people out there paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for coaching. Like yeah. big, they're big CEOs, business leaders, whatever. And there are people that actually charge six figures for their coaching. But the only way it's, it's, you can get away with it is when you can provide actual, the, the only way you can repeatedly get away with it is either <laughs> because the value you're providing is so good. And so you're just getting the referrals and, and it's, it's kind of a positive feedback loop or mm -hmm. your marketing is so good that you're getting away with it. And that's what I think is happening with this product called the American dream. Yeah, I agree. The, sure. the, the marketing of the American dream is so good that it, I mean, it does matter, but, but they're still getting away with the divergence between price and value. So price yeah. and value of education is going like this, but people are still buying it at the higher price because they're so, it's so culture, it's so part of the culture to live the American dream. Yeah, and there's a lot of fear behind that, you know, culture that they bring in. That's kind of, I think, when you talk about the marketing and the yep. American dream, it's all backed by fear and security. And, and you know, that's like the big yep. issue with everyone. That's mm -hmm. what I'm rolling with, right? And that's, that's what's ruminating in my head right now is like, the marketing of the American dream is so ingrained from generation to generation that everybody knows the tagline. Everybody knows the phrase American dream and they know what it means. So the American, the brand of the American dream is so culturally strong and is so ingrained in every generation, every generation to come. Right. And so while you're talking about the American dream, what I, what I was wondering, cause there are a lot of people who, because, you know, it's, it's sort of rooted in society that you have to go to college, get a corporate job mm -hmm. and try to make work your way up the ladder. So for someone who's sort of hesitant about that, because their parents might be down on them saying, oh, go to good college, yeah. get student loan debt and then work your way up the corporate ladder. Yeah. And 
So if someone's hesitant about that and, like you said, trying to escape that societal, um, I guess, grasp, how do they how do they go about doing that? How do they say that? Yeah, no. That's that's really tough. Yeah, that's really tough. I because it's it's tough for me to uh, answer it per se because I thankfully didn't have parents like that. So I had parents that actually encouraged me to and helped me um, uh, pursue my acting career and 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 so on and so forth. And and it's only until recently that I've been able to really actually basically stand on my own two feet, pay my own bills, like from A to Z, basically. And they're completely supportive of Zelda? Yeah, they, 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 they have been. They, they, I mean, it's not to say that they're uh, not scared and not worried <laughs> about, oh, is this, oh, like, you know, when is he going to actually make a movie? Like, or do real content uh, besides just TikTok and that kind of <laughs> stuff. But, you know, for the most part, I didn't have to. It was just one less fight and one less battle that I had to fight. Um, exactly the battle i just wanted to, yeah go ahead because i want to say like the big thing that a lot of people you know including me it's you know you want to have the backing of like the people who support you the yes. most and if they don't have that like you said because you had that yes. it became so much easier for you i think yes it, it it definitely helps but also what i've told myself from the get is that the people that do have my back now they all have a timeline timeline in their head about when I should accomplish said thing for my right. career. They're also really, they also have certain timelines. They, they also have certain standards about what does stability look like. So stability to some degree looks like getting married and buying a house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two things I probably won't do for the next 10 years of my life. Yeah. Interesting. So, so, and- so, so, so that's an, that's a, I don't know, a trigger point or a place where like there's always some, there's some clash about, yeah, which which is fine, but for me it's like, okay, if I, I I still have to figure this thing out because the I can't be on the payroll of other people forever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so now it becomes the question of how do I solve the money dilemma. Because that's, and, re- that's really the biggest challenge, I think, and at any time pursuing whatever you're passionate about. So when you had that, you know, the money dilemma, which everyone's going to have, did you, was that when you turned to side hustles, you know, to kind of expand yourself? I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was always hearing about this thing called the internet and people making money and social media. And for a long time, I ignored it and had judgment about it. Um, and then you just get tired of losing and then you're like, okay, I like this thing called financial literacy. Maybe I can start creating content around that and then we'll see where that goes. So then I started creating content and then, and that was like 2019. And then I started getting on TikTok at the end of 2019 by pure luck because a friend of mine was like, you should get on it. And then things started exploding. So now I have the attention but I don't know how to monetize. I see. So the attention, yeah. grabbing the attention is one set of skills. Getting the money and monetizing the attention is another set of skills. So that's when the One Funnel Away Challenge came about. That's when actually taking it seriously of how do I monetize and learning and and that. And that, of course, really helped me. So, so, So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, 
if you're going to pursue whatever your passion is and you're getting a lot of negativity thrown your way and whatnot, you have to understand, like, especially if it's from your parents, it's most likely that it's coming from a place of love. First of all, mm-hmm. yeah. They, yeah. They, they, they love you. They want what's best from you, but they're just scared of shit. Yeah. yeah. They're just scared. And it's human because money is a dilemma. Money is a challenge. Money is a puzzle. And 99% of the people that you meet will solve the puzzle the same way, which is go to college, mm-hmm. get a job. Yeah. And that is a false indication of that's the only way to solve it. Because of the internet, you can solve it in a lot of different ways. Still requires mm-hmm. a lot of work. So what you have to take from that generation is their work ethic because they know how to work hard. Yeah. Our right. parents know how to mm-hmm. work their asses off. They may not know how to work smart because they don't leverage the internet and they probably, maybe, most likely don't invest their money very smartly. So you can't hold that mm-hmm. against them, but you just have to understand that your parents – as brilliant as they are, they are human and they are not the source of all answers to all questions. Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. they're also, you know, immigrants and that also plays into a part of it. Yeah. And, you know, they might not, they're also not necessarily new to the internet. How like there's so many different possibilities with yeah. what's available. Here's, so, here's what the internet mm-hmm. does is like my dad has to get up in the morning, put on a suit, carry a briefcase, briefcase, get into his really nice car, drive two hours, go to a hospital, do his thing, get back into his really nice car, drive back two hours, take off the suit, put on his Mm -hmm. pajamas, all to make six figures a year. A lot of money. Mm -hmm. The internet allows you to do all of that in less time and make that money he makes in a year in a month. Mm, That's Mm -hmm. like, the. there's so much potential in it, I think. That's, That's the change that's happening in how we understand money and making it and this is why working smart and under and respecting the internet and using it smartly to educate yourself and then to create whatever it is you want to create that's the that's the power of it and then once you solve the money problem like you can do whatever the hell you want exactly and then you're on you know financial freedom and everything yeah yeah so and mm -hmm, arnif and and going back to what you were saying about side hustles, so you do a lot of affiliate marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So so people who are trying to pursue side hustles and affiliate marketing, um, especially, do you think they should first get like a following and create content like you did, and then sort of promote a product, or just right out the gate just promote their product and just keep trying? Yeah, I think I think it definitely helps to have a following, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the it's it, it's not absolutely that you need it. Like, I've I, let me preface by saying when it comes to financial literacy, side hustles, investing, acting, anything, I'm just a student. Yeah, I'm not a mm-hmm. master. I'm not a guru. I'm not an expert. I'm just I've literally just been doing this for the last like side hustles wise. I've been just doing it for like the last six seven months. But you've been successful. And I've been figuring it out as I go. And my whole thing with the layman investor with anything that I do. It's just I'm a couple of chapters ahead of people. So yeah. I just need to pass that information back. And that's all I'm doing and living out my experience and sharing it. I will say that there are people out there who are doing affiliate marketing that only now they have a huge following on TikTok or whatever, but they were bringing in six figures a month. Damn, really? Because they knew mm-hmm. how to do 
the, uh, the, the game of ads and build email lists and share story and do all that kind of stuff, which are the same principles that you learn in the One Funnel Away Challenge. So like those principles in any game you want to play become so important to learn and execute on. I see. And you know how you talked about the One Funnel Away Challenge and, you know, the types of like how to actually affiliate market, you know, do you think you could like uh, talk a little bit more about that? Because sure, like, like with email lists and those things. Yeah. Think, so, so you'll learn. So the fundamentals that are really important to learn are building an email list, sharing your story, uh, creating valuable offers to differentiate yourself from um, your competitors, and then more or less leveraging a sales funnel to 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 use as your sales vehicle to deliver the message and everything. Affiliate marketing is really just commission sales. So I am like, oh, I love, I love ClickFunnels. I think ClickFunnels is great. I love the One Funnel Away Challenge because I got so much value from it because it helped me with my print-on-demand side hustle merch uh, side hustle that I did for my acting brand. It helped me like double profits, double, uh, double revenue, and so on and so forth. Taught me about subscription products and creating recurring revenue. Like yeah. all these things are super important. And all these principles, once you learn the fundamentals and the principles, you have a really solid foundation. Upon that foundation, you can do affiliate marketing, you can do drop shipping, you can do print on demand, you can sell your own coaching service, blah, 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 blah. Once you have the foundation, it's like a sport. Once you have the foundation, then you can do all the flashy stuff, the windmills and all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. for me, affiliate marketing becomes really a game of do I believe in this product? Do I understand the product? Have I gotten value from it? Do I have experience from it? So that way I can answer uh, questions from potential leads and clients. And so basically my strategy is really, really simple. And I fell into affiliate marketing by accident, only after taking the challenge to help me with my print on demand side hustle. Right. Yeah. Mm. So, so the game now is like, Oh, this course is really valuable and it actually fits within the niche of me advocating for financial literacy. Because one of the biggest things that I understood, is that now I'm financially literate. I know what I want to invest in. I know I understand index funds. I understand crypto to some degree. I understand uh, real estate is really tax efficient and really uh, smart and getting passive income, all that stuff. Build a nest egg, build the numbers. Now I have to fund it mm -hmm. and I'm not making money. So now the game shifts to how do I make money? And the side also than all the affiliate this marketing. This course will teach you how to make money, just like I said, because it'll teach you that fundamental base. Boom. Now I know how to make money to some degree and I'm getting better at it. Now I've got more investable capital to dump into my investments. So that's, great. So that's how I'm playing the game. That's not the only way to play the game, but that is how I'm doing it. And the, my affiliate marketing strategy is really simple. I will make content on TikTok, on YouTube also, to provide value, to get people like, hey, what's that, what's that? And then I'll be like, hey, DM me on Instagram, DM funnel to that, uh, to my Instagram so that I know you're interested and we can have a conversation or DM me to, uh, or, or text me funnel to this cell phone number, uh, this, uh, phone number. And then now I know you want to talk about the funnel. Then I will DM you back and message you back and we'll get into a conversation about what the challenge is. You want to ask me any questions. I'll be fully transparent costs, time wise, what you will learn, why it's important. And then I'll give you my link. And if you got value from me, you will be like more than happy to use it. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
because, yes. because once you and make yourself accessible to people, people are like, oh my God, he actually cares. So it's again, like I am shameless in my, in my saying that I am doing affiliate marketing. I'm making money off of you. I'm going to get paid when you use my link. But I have no problem saying that because I'm going to be accessible to you. Not only that, I've taken the course and it's helped me. So I know the value yeah. and I have experience with it so I can stand behind it. So, yeah. So I, I mean, mm-hmm, Arnav? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think, Bingo. you know, combined with the fact that you had experience with the product, you were able to, you know, use your TikTok and Instagram and your social media base to attract consumers, to attract customers, and then create that story, you know, that would bring them in, especially for affiliate marketing. And then a, a key point that you talked about, once you get the fundamentals, Mm-hmm. especially like within the internet, then you can just run with it. You have so many options. I yep. think that's like a really big takeaway that people should know about. Now it doesn't surprise me when I see people be like, hey, here's how I made $10,000 this week. Hey, here's how I made six figures this month selling yep. fish hooks. I know I have the basic understanding of how they're doing it. So I, I, I know, oh, they're creating an email list. They're sharing that story. They're creating valuable offers around it. So they're, they're giving Value, more bang yeah. for the buck to the customer. So that's why the customer wants to buy from them versus some other guy. Uh, they might be creating some kind of subscription service. Hey, here's a T-shirt of the month club. Here's a this of the month club. So now they're getting the recurring revenue, which allows them to scale, which then they can then use the excess funds to pour into paid ads. And now their paid ads are working. So now every time they put in a dollar, they're getting $2. So now it's a game of just them spending money on ads because they're always making profit. Right. That's great. I think, you know, all this, you know, all of this to generate that revenue, be able to have that capital when, you know, you want to do something different that's not corporate and all that. And I think this perfectly ties into, you know, our next segment when you have that revenue and everything. Now mm-hmm. you can fund that into the investments. And now, yep. so, know, and, and going back, leading off, off to what Provar was saying. So what should a beginner, what should like a beginner investor focus on when first investing into like a stock market? Yeah. Self-education, self-education when it comes to anything. Um, that's why I like, if you follow my content, I literally talk about the same five books and the course, same five books yeah. and the course, same five books and the course, yeah. because that's where you will learn the fundamentals. Once you have the fundamentals down, then you can execute. Once you execute, you then retain 90% of what, you're doing and learning because you're building the muscle memory. Yeah. And really good books to like, they're very interesting and mind opening because it's something yeah. different that you've really never learned about and yeah. it just catches your attention. And then, and, and they're all mm-hmm. approachable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're easy to learn. That's what I found out when I started reading them too. Cause like Pavar said in the beginning, it, they seem intimidating at first when you start reading these, with these complex financial terms, but when you break it down, when you actually do your own research and take time on your own to see what's actually going on with these with these books, then you can actually learn so much and build that foundation in just even a few months. And then yep. that could lead to great financial benefit for you yep. in the future. It's all a positive feedback loop once you get over your own fear and you realize you oh, all you really need is an average IQ. This is the thing. Like If you know how to read, if you know how to write, and you know how to do basic math, you can be You're a great set. investor. You don't need exactly. you don't need calculus. You don't yeah. need like <laughs> trigonometry and tangent lines and yield curves and all that kind of stuff. If you want to do that, great. You don't need to. I know. And then, you know, all about investing in yourself. Like now is the time. The earlier you do it, the better. Of course. And especially mm-hmm. one of the books you talk about is the little book of common sense investing. And that's just a lot of on index funds. And I'm just 
like, do you mind if you can explain a little bit about index funds? Because I'm so surprised people just don't know about this and how effective it is. Yeah, index fund is like this. It's like buying the entirety of um, of of um, of business. So so basically, instead of me buying individual stock of Tesla or Apple or Berkshire Hathaway or Google, I can buy all of them at once through something called an index fund. An index fund is basically a fund that's managed by somebody and I give them money and they build a portfolio that reflects whatever index, an index is just a collection of something, whatever Mm -hmm. index that fund is trying to mirror. So if I buy an S&P 500 index fund, the S&P 500 is the top 500 companies in American business. So just like the company that I just mentioned. I can buy all of those at once by, by putting money into this fund who then has a portfolio of all these stocks in weighted order. So like if Facebook is the top company in the S&P 500, then that fund will have in their portfolio mostly Facebook stock and then so on and so on and so on and so on and so forth. And so yeah. Yeah. all an index fund is trying to do is just mirror, copy, mimic the S&P 500, the underlying index that it's following. So if the S&P 500 goes up by 10%, then the portfolio of the fund should go up by 10%. Now, why is that important? It's important because the fund manager is not going to then try to buy and sell, buy and sell, buy and sell, and try to beat the market because that's not the whole point. That's not the premise. The premise is to mimic, Mm -hmm. not beat. So... Yeah. There's less turnover. There's less. Oh shit. There's less. Uh, no. There's less. Um, uh, what you call it? There's less fees. Mm-hmm. And there's less taxes in the short. There's less short-term. Uh, short. What is it? Short-term capital gain taxes that um, the company will have to pay, and that will be passed on to the investors. So, for the long-term passive investor that wants something relatively safe, I guess, that they don't need to monitor all the time, index funds are like your best friend. Now, like with any sort of investing vehicle or investment, it's not risk-free. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand what you're getting into. You need to understand that if the market goes down, you're going to go down with it. But if the market goes up, you're going to go up with it. So you're going to ride the wave of the market or that index rather. Right. So you're going to ride the wave of the S&P 500, which is yeah. not a bad thing because what you're really betting on is American business and you're betting on America. And so if you don't think America is going to survive in the next 50, 60 years or your lifetime, then you not only should like not invest, but you should probably not live in America. You should yeah. live in a different <laughs> country and then you go to that country and then you should invest in that country because you think it's going to be around innovative, competitive and important right. uh, in the lifetime of your life. For sure. And I think yeah. it's also really important how, you know, people fear the constant market fluctuations, like, oh, it's going up, it's going down. And then they fear crashes and like the booms. Yeah. But the thing with index funds and especially long-term investing, you're playing the yeah. long-term game. Mm-hmm. The overall growth is, you know, 10%. And mm-hmm. if you bank on that, if you just start as early as possible with index funds, you're going to become really wealthy in the future. Yeah. Here's like, Here's the thing, like if you can, and this is why getting that self-education is super important. 
and reading these books is super important because it will teach you a very important concept, not just for investing, but for life. And that is the concept of slow compounding growth. Yeah. This is, this is the stuff that Jeff Bezos understood mm-hmm. with Amazon, which is why Amazon is a juggernaut now and not, and it didn't start out as that because he understood the process of slow compounding growth. And that is a very important concept to understand because once you hit a critical mass, um, you're going to, your wealth is going to explode as long as you let time do its thing and you are disciplined and you are consistent in your monthly investing into that portfolio. But all of that is explained in the book and all of that is explained in all of these books, more or less. And you can apply this philosophy of long-term investing to any game you want to play. So like with rental properties, with crypto, this is how I invest in my crypto. I I just long-term invest Mm -hmm. because, because I've done my due diligence. I've been like, yeah, Bitcoin is going to be important to the future. Ethereum is going to be important to the future. Cardano, I'm pretty sure is also, I think Chainlink is also, I think, so whatever I'm holding, I'm holding for life and I'm probably never going to cash out. I'm just going to put more money in. I see. And that's a good and, idea. Mm-hmm. And, and the main idea there, I think, is patience, uh-huh. right? And it's, it may not seem appealing to a lot of people, especially no. younger, younger people when they hear about like GameStop or AMC, when they see that, oh, this guy made like 10K in like a uh-huh. day, right? So a lot of people are thinking, well, I can do that. I can get rich quick. But... It's, it's not really safe to keep practicing that, especially if you're a beginner investor who hasn't taken that time to invest in yourself. So when they when they go in there blindly, that's when that thing happens where they just go, well, I lost a bunch of money. Now I'm never investing in the stock market, market again. And like the crazy thing is, is like as a long-term investor, eventually you will make $10,000 a day. You, yeah. that, that's a very much a possibility. Mm-hmm. You can make $10,000 in passive income in a month. Because your nest egg is so big, like if you have a two million dollar nest egg, you can take out what two like four percent of that. What is that? I don't know. You can take out like five percent of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's ten percent? My math is horrific, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So like you can live off yeah. of that, um, and then it's also gonna give you dividends. So now you have passive income coming in and. Passive income, depending on what how, you know, what companies, it's like it could be a ton of money. And so when, mm-hmm. it all mm-hmm. kind of pays off in the end, but you have to have that patience. For sure, patience, yeah. and especially in early start time, because when you talked about compounding interest, mm-hmm. it takes time because it's exponential growth. So the yep. earlier you start, the higher that curve becomes later yes. on as time goes on. So when you reinvest and, those dividends, yeah, continue. Yep. Uh, and the only way to catch up if you started late is to make more money, which is why side hustles and ownership really become important. Hey everyone, so we're just gonna take a quick break just to give you guys an update as this is the halfway point of the episode. So just to let everyone know, all the resources and all the timestamps for what segments you wanna listen to are all in the description, so you can check those out. Now, let's talk about cryptocurrency. All right, thank you guys for having us back. So Rahul, uh, with your cryptocurrency and you know how you're big on Bitcoin, Ethereum and all that, so how does, can you like give us a brief introduction on how Bitcoin yeah. and crypto really works? Cause we're not really sure about that. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'm going to defer to books that are probably going to give you a better nuance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these three books I read and they gave me a basic understanding, which then gave me some basic level of confidence. 
um, read, um, what is it called? Uh, Digital Gold by Nathaniel Popper. Mm-hmm. Blockchain Revolution by Dan and Alex Tapscott. And then Crypto Assets by Chris Berninski and Jack Tatter. Crypto Assets is a really great book. They're all great, but that's a really great book. <coughs> Excuse me, because it's basically the intelligent investor for crypto. I got you, yeah. Right, so what Benjamin Grab did for the stock market and stocks and bonds, these guys did for crypto. The basic understanding is that crypto is, I, th- I think a big reason why people have a fear of crypto is because they lack the context. Yeah. So crypto is run by a tech called blockchain. Blockchain is usually the underlying tech behind Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, any sort of crypto asset. Blockchain, in order to understand blockchain, we need to get context of how the human species actually works. I, okay, and, and, and how we've like created power structures. Okay. The way the human, human species has created power structures, more or less, has been there's always some central authority. So if it's a tribal leader, it's a pope, it's a CEO, it's a president, it's a dictator, it's a this or that. It's a company. And so we're all used to having the rules of the game that we're all playing set by one entity. Mm-hmm. Now, when mm-hmm. that happens, uh, a couple of, there's a couple of cons to it is that that one entity can always change the game anytime they want. And when that entity gets hacked, everybody else's stuff gets hacked as well. Everyone loses that. Yeah. Blockchain flips that completely on its head. Okay. Where there is the there are rules of the game. There is a sense of security and privacy, let's say, and trust without having a central point of authority. And that's a really hard thing to understand because it makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, mm-hmm. so this is this is why I guess what we were talking about um, before with economic incentives. Mm-hmm. The way you build the trust in a network of people that have no real reason to trust each other is you c- create economic incentives for them to actually abide by the rules. So how does that work with crypto? Right. So now my basic understanding of crypto, and I think this is how like Bitcoin works, is you basically have three actors in the system. Right. Mm-hmm. You've got the general public who's going to use Bitcoin to transact. Um, Then you have the software developers who are going to actually create the updates and the software for the blockchain itself. And blockchain is just a a decentralized, open-sourced, everybody has access to ledger. Gotcha. A ledger is just a list of transactions. And then you have uh, the miners who are going to add transactions to the blockchain or add blocks to the blockchain. And as a result, they're going to capture uh, some Bitcoin. It's basically like a gold miner mining for gold. They have the tools, they have the, the, the drills and whatnot to find the gold, to get the gold, and they will be rewarded some of the gold. Okay. Kind of makes sense. So it's like this triangular kind of a thing. And if I botch this, the book's uh, completely like 
explain this beautifully. Yeah, for sure. But I think it's making some more sense. Right. So the miners, they get the... So, the, so, they get so, the so, so, so when people use Bitcoin and they send Bitcoin from one person to another, right? Mm -hmm. Those transactions need to get added to the ledger. Okay. Okay. Now those transactions, because it's all math and computation and algorithms, it it come it, it it gets it gets sorted into a box, or let's say for lack of a better word, a box or a block. And that block comes with something known as a hash code, which is like some kind of a security code that needs to be solved for. Okay. okay. All the miners rush to try to solve this hash code. Interesting. Why do they do that? Because if they're the ones that win, if, if I'm the one that wins, what do I get in return? I get Bitcoin. Okay. Oh. So this, this is where the token comes into play. I see. So I get Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is valuable because I trust it to be valuable. I mean, at least in the beginning, it's all trust. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 Bitcoin comes out of the frustration of the legacy financial systems. Right. So that's where that emotional trust comes from in the beginning. The internet is is like, I want to be able to pass around information from me to you much more quickly than mailing you something. So the beginning people that get involved are like renegades, mavericks, hate the system kind of people, kind of, sort of. Mm -hmm. I see. Right. So the people who first go into crypto? Yeah. So, so the people that first started using Bitcoin are these outsiders and like yeah. people outside the system. It's kind of like people who first started using Amazon in 1995, oh, okay. four, three. It's like, what the F is Amazon, first of all? What the F is the internet, second of all? And why would you ever, ever buy a book from somebody that you never met over this thing that I don't even understand from a company that has no physical location? Makes no sense. So yeah, and that's where trust kind of comes in. I don't know yeah. what you're saying. Well, so at this point, it's it's that the public trusts that they can make the transaction, and they'll have some future economic growth from that transaction. And yeah. it all comes in that that fear that maybe what happens if it, it all sums up to nothing for them. So sure. that they have, they sort of have to climb over this, I guess, right? Right. So Bitcoin originally started as this substitute monetary system to the dollar and fiat currency mm -hmm. now it's sort of graduating to this thing where it's like okay it may not become dollar a substitute of the dollar but it could become the substitute to gold i so, see so it won't like a separate security almost so a separate way a storage of wealth okay gotcha and this becomes mm -hmm. really useful in countries where there's hyperinflation so like venezuela this becomes yeah. like, or um, maybe Brazil, or or any sort of country where like the government is just not there to instill the trust in the fiat currency of that country, so that the prices don't fluctuate crazily. So yeah, and it's on the internet, and it's anonymous, and you can pass it around relatively quickly and more quickly than you would through MoneyGram or Western Union or, you know, so like, um, what is it called? Reparation payments. So if I, so I, I live in America, my family's in India, I have to pass money, I have to send money back. Oh, I see. Right, mm -hmm. so my parents- Remittances? Just, yeah, remittances or, yeah, remittances. Remit, remittances? Or like, right. rem one of the, yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of those, it's one of those fancy words. Um, mm -hmm. 
So that's so 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 now we start to understand. Okay, these are the use cases for Bitcoin. These are potential use cases. This is how it's going to be useful and create value. Now, of course, it's like a speculative asset and whatnot. It doesn't have any inherent value because you can't touch it. It doesn't produce anything in and of itself, which is why a lot of people may not like it. This is why, like, if you talk to a real estate investor, he's like, I don't want Bitcoin. If you talk to Warren Buffett, he's like, I don't want Bitcoin because it doesn't produce anything in and of itself. Okay. But it's just all the craze now. My, my whole thing is, like, in the future, blockchain and certain assets are going to help build out the future infrastructure of the Internet of how we pass around assets, whether that's information, whether that's wealth, whether that's medical contracts, whether that's real estate contracts, stocks, dividends. Crypto is going to basically permeate every single industry, just like the Internet has permeated every industry. And these books, again, like blockchain revolution is really going to talk about that. I yeah, I really agree because, you know, the whole world is started with the Internet. Now, you know, we're going into like more technology. And I think cryptocurrency makes sense with the trend that we're going to because crypto is like, you know, online with the touch of a thing, like a touch of a button, you can send payment. So I just I agree with you. I think cryptocurrency should be because like there's obviously some debate, right? With like if it's going to like end up taking over or not. But like I think it's going to be one thing where everyone's just going to be using online, you know, banking, have this online asset. Or yeah. online currency. Yeah, and the crazy thing is like it's gonna get even wilder. Like Ethereum mm. is gonna make things really wild because a whole you know how I was talking about like the power structures with the community? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine like Uber without Uber, but you get the service, but you don't have a company called Uber heading the whole thing. It's a community-run ride-sharing service. So like mini taxis? I don't know how it's going to look, but it's like (laughs) the way that Ethereum works is like you can create um, decentralized companies. You can create decentralized services, decentralized apps. So you're going to have the services that we have just maybe without a board of executives. Oh, okay. question it would that be illegal like to have that kind of thing who knows because the whole legality of it and the justice because it, it what's going to be a challenge for crypto i guess is marrying the new system with the old system so that the old system because the old system has all the power is not going to somehow um i don't know get left behind or feel left behind or whatever but I, I think tech is going to win over in some shape or form or some hybrid is going to be, or there, there are also like, I think Cardano is really interesting because that's trying to do what Bitcoin was trying to do, which is become a money system. But their whole thing is like, let's link the legacy system with the new blockchain exchange system. So how do we do that? And that's their whole premise. That's their whole thing. So the reason I got into crypto is because it didn't go away. Mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin, crypto, blockchain, all these words have been around for the last 10, 12 years, and people keep talking about it. They also keep talking about how there's a bubble and then it bursts. There's a bubble, then it bursts. But it's never gone to zero. So mm-hmm. I use that personally as an indicator of, oh, I should learn about this thing. And then as I learned and self-educated, and again, I don't have a nuanced understanding of it. I don't have like the 
computer programmer understanding of it, but I have a basic understanding of it to give me enough confidence to be like, I think this is going to be a really good long-term investment and it's going to be scary getting in now because it's so volatile and there's so much noise. But I think the fundamentals are strong and that trust circle is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Because if you look at the internet, I don't know how the internet works. I don't know how we're doing this right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what HTTPS means. I don't know what protocol is, IP address. I don't know. But I know what I can do. I know how I can use the internet to connect with you. I know what a podcast is. I know what social media is. I know how to use it. And I think that's potentially what's going to happen with crypto is like, and certain projects in crypto is like, people aren't going to understand the underlying tech, but they're going to understand the use and they're going to start using it. And believing in your investment, I think is the biggest thing for especially for beginner investments to investors to think about, because at least when I was first getting into uh, financial education, uh, not even financial education, I guess, investing in general, I, I used to search up best stocks to buy, even though I couldn't even buy stocks because I thought that was going to help me learn. But yeah. you have to do your own research to learn what's going on in that company that you actually believe in what they're doing. And that's when that'll be a good investment for you. Uh, yeah. I, I think with something like crypto, there's probably a large, I don't know, perhaps a larger leap of faith because there's so little history and there are no balance sheets and asset sheets and income statements to read like you can with a company. Um, I think the way I look at crypto and the way I choose to invest in certain coins is like, maybe I'll find a tip from another influencer and then I'll be like, okay, there's this thing called Cardano. What is it? Let's try to find the white paper. The white paper is where you're going to see the logistical plan, the blueprint. I got. Mm-hmm. So the white papers are usually where you're going to find uh, what what are what are what's the problem that they're trying to solve. What are the use cases potential? How are they building this thing? Is it a decentralized blockchain? Um, and who's in charge of it? In or who's like the lead programmer developer in the beginning? Mm-hmm. And then maybe you can find like YouTube videos. Like I, there's like a great YouTube video on Cardano. There's a lot of content. Yeah. yeah. So it's literally the lead developer. Uh, I think his name is Haskell or Haskell. And he is literally breaking it down on a whiteboard for like 45 minutes. And I was like, I watched that and I was like, I'm investing in this. And at that That's time great. he was trading at like two cents, one cent. And now it's like at 85 Wow. And then did you believe in it after watching all that content? Yeah. And that's what you realized. Yeah. So I had one quick question because you obviously are a big supporter of it. But then on the other side of the coin, my dad, when I asked him, hey, do you invest in Bitcoin or, you know, crypto? He says I doesn't. And the big question that he posed to me was, if I invest in Bitcoin, and let's say Bitcoin becomes like the currency that everyone uses. Sure. What happens to the other ones? Like what happens to Ethereum? What happens to the other kinds of cryptocurrency? So what would happen in that well, situation? Well, that's where it's like, it's like asking if I invest in Tesla, what's going to happen to Google? I see. So they're not necessarily the same thing. No, they don't have the same ambitions. Right. So it's not supposed to be like a, like you're going to pay for coffee with Bitcoin, right? It's not going to be like you, that. You, it's gonna be- you can, but you're not going to pay for coffee with Ethereum. You're so going to would- try and build an app with Ethereum. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because so, Ethereum is trying to become a world com- app store computer upon which you can build 
apps and and whatever games or or whatever bitcoin is trying to become some sense of storage of wealth like a currency mm-hmm. yeah or like gold got you mm-hmm. because when i hear cryptocurrency right it's like it so are we supposed to take that at face like it's a going to be a like digital currency or yeah i think is like, it a broader trend assets they break this down they break it down to like there's cryptocurrencies, there's crypto commodities, and there's crypto tokens or something. So, I see. so cryptocurrency is like currency. Like we have mm-hmm. crypto commodities are like commodities. So what are commodities? Like raw materials. Raw cool. materials upon which you can use to then create crypto tokens or like apps. So that would be Ethereum, right? So that would be like in a real world example would be like gold is the commodity Mm -hmm, i use gold to make a gold necklace so now i have a product then i sell the product and i get currency called the dollar so i can use ethereum to build out an app and then i can charge people for that app and they can pay me in bitcoin Oh, wow. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's yeah. basically how it works. That's that's like the three different classes. So they're all interconnected, but not exactly yeah. the same thing. Crypto is basically taking the tangible world and digitizing it completely. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so I hard see. to understand because you can't touch the digital world, but it does affect your life. Yeah. And the and trend is, the trend is yeah. we're going to be digital, you know? Like, because it's just a matter of convenience. We're after convenience. Right. And I think blockchain is going to help do that. I mean, um, again, I'm not an expert, so please read these books yeah. and like, you know, do your own research. But from what I have gathered and what I've learned and what I've been, um, you know, observing and just reading and uh, watching on YouTube is just like super, super interesting. And I want to, it's exciting to be on the cutting, uh, what feels like the cutting edge of something that might become the norm. It, it would be the equivalent of investing in Amazon circa 1997 or Google. Wow. Even now? like I mean, Bitcoin's yeah, because kind of... it's still not like... Underground? It's still... it's like it... the, 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 There's still so much uh, pent-up potential in it. It's just becoming more and more mainstream and on the tips. But then there are other coins that might come up. So it might be like... Um, yeah, so, 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 so there's just a bunch like Bitcoin and Ethereum are the biggest, but those aren't the only two things to invest in. I got you. But so, so once you understand the fundamentals, again, it's all fundamentals and principles. Yeah. Then you can find other stuff to invest in. And then you're on like some cutting edge thing that nobody else sees. And that's exciting, but it's also high risk because it's first movers advantage. Yeah, and we can't necessarily predict the future, but you know, yeah. if if the trend is happening, if you know the fundamentals, I think that's like the most important thing when you make in crypto decision or any yeah. decision, frankly. And here's the thing, like this is where your side hustles are gonna come into play because once you understand what you want to invest in, you wanna pour money into that. So like mm-hmm. I invested in Bitcoin <laughs> uh I think twenty eighteen. It was at like six grand and then it dropped to three. But it's not like I had tens of thousands of dollars. 
I, I could see. put in like a grand here and there, and then another thing here and there, and so, so it's great. I've made money and made some money, but you get like when you when when you've got the fundamentals down and you've got the principles down, but you don't have the cash, it really sucks. Right. So so it's they all to go together. Making money and making money work for you go together. Right. So having all aspects of like personal finance and sort of building up your own education for that yep. is really, really important. Yep. Yeah. I think a great point, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'm sure you know about mm-hmm. it's, he talks about people, you know, they want to make money work for them. Ultimately, that's the goal. Yep. You want to be able to invest in these things, but you need the, you need the funds to do it. And then just as you know, you've been talking about, it gives you the incentive to work harder, work smarter, yep. work better yep. to get that money to, actually apply yep. it and get those investments that you want because you're everybody wants to retire early mm-hmm. that timeline gets accelerated if you can make more money exactly yeah because if you can make more money then you can make more money work for you if you can make more money work for you then you're going to get to your retirement number faster right because yeah. i read somewhere that Retirement isn't an age like a lot of people think. Retirement isn't 60 years old. It's the money that you wish to have to live the lifestyle you want. So Money's highest calling is that it's a labor force. It's an employee. So when they they say make money work for you, it's literally because it's an employee. And it's an employee that will never need a vacation. Yeah, it works 24-7 anytime you want it to. Yes. So now you have to understand how to position the employee in a asset that will grow and appreciate and give you passive income for the long haul. That's the game. So 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 like the great thing about like making content and repeating the same thing over and over again is the concepts start hitting you at deeper and deeper levels. So this whole mm-hmm. idea of making money work for you. I understood it at this level, but now I understand it at this level because it's been two years of just saying it over and over again and having conversations. Mm-hmm. So you'll see this happen to you guys as you do your podcast and you have these conversations. Two years from now, you're going to say the same thing that you said two years ago and it's going to hit you at a deeper level. And now I literally see money as employees. For right. sure. I think you just like kind of like help me go down to the next level. Like <laughs> you make each single dollar yeah. be an employee you got a position to where you want it you got to strategize it perfectly right. and then like you said after watching after reading rich dad poor dad it kind of showed how any single object anything that you want to become an investment or make it work for you you can do that yep. because you just have to tap into the different side of the brain yep. it's going to re financial literacy financial literacy and tech literacy learning to make money online those two things it will allow you to see through the matrix of life you'll see how the real world mm-hmm. works and you'll see how to you'll see how it's a game, and then you'll be able to play the game. But again, you have to maintain your moral compass so that you play the game like Michael Jordan played the game of basketball and not some guy who took steroids. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. So I think we are about to end off. Sure. So I think the best thing to like I guess kind of conclude is what are some advice, like resources that you know you tell the audience? Like for sure, everyone watching this podcast, go check out the layman investor on Instagram and then TikTok because mm-hmm. his content we kind of got inspired by him yeah. and we learned a lot. So definitely follow him. But for like other resources, what else would you suggest? Um, I mean, I would honestly just say like read the five books, Money Master the Game, 
I Will Teach You to Be Rich, um, The Little Book of Common Sense Investing, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cash Flow Quadrants, and then take the One Funnel Away Challenge. So now you have the basis of making money, and then you have the basis for making money work for you. And mm-hmm. I think everybody, like this is what I've learned from um, um, Chamath Palapatia and Naval Ravikant, and I would highly recommend watching their content too. Because I feel like they're morally sound, wealthy people that are actually trying to do a lot of good in tough industries like healthcare, education, and financial yeah. services. Mm-hmm. Basically, like especially Chamath Palapatia, like he talks about this. Whatever your cause is, whatever your passion is, whatever your dream is, it really boils down, I think, to one thing called leverage. Leverage is anything that gives you more power than you, when you have it, than when you don't. It gives you more weight to throw around, gives you much more authority, power over people, and can expedite things. In the way that we've constructed society so far, and especially in the information age, the two biggest forms of leverage seem to be attention and money. Right. Mm-hmm. So with attention, how do you get attention? Social media. Mm-hmm. Build your own community. Build your own audience. Then once you have that, you have to know how to make money because money will give you much more power to perpetuate whatever you see up here into a tangible reality. So that's where financial literacy comes into play, side hustles come into play, and understanding that game of money and making it. Once you have money and you have attention and you just rank it up and accelerate it, again, it's very corrupting, so you have to maintain your humility. Mm-hmm. You can then change the very infrastructure of society. So if you want to, if you have environmental concerns, if you have social injustice concerns, if you have, if you want to win an Oscar, if you think women are underrepresented in the community, if you think whatever your thing is, if you can get the money and the attention, you will be able to change the entire game. Yeah, I think you hit the nail in the coffin because, you know, the government and all these, you know, what we call like some people, you know, are corrupt and they do a lot of bad thing with like the leverage that they have with the attention that they get and the money that they have. Yeah. So if we teach people and people know about financial literacy to get that leverage to do what they really want to help in the community and what's in their mind, yeah. that like opens up to a whole new possibility because it's not really greed. It's not you know, pride. It's yeah. something that you want to do to help your passion. It's, it's easy to teach the skills of money and attention. It's harder to teach the skills of self-awareness, um, self-respect, um, morality, ethics. Yeah, for sure. Like there's, that's a whole psych, like self-awareness, humility, like that's a lot of self-work that every individual has to do. And that's why it's really important to not forget when no, to, to not forget the moments where nobody cares about you. Like nobody's watching sure. you. Nobody's listening to the podcast. Nobody's watching your content. Nobody's heeding your advice. Nobody is paying you. You know, you're dead broke. You're this, you're that. Those moments are really important because they can hopefully, if you don't forget them, maintain your sense of humility and an actual footing on the ground so that when you do get the power it doesn't corrupt you right yeah i think that's a great point Very actually yeah. really and, hard well yeah yeah it's it's sort of hard to understand especially 
when you're younger, but it's, it's such an important concept yep. concept that, you know, a lot of people tend to overlook when they see this, like when they see all these like rich people, like living lavish lifestyles and they, they aspire to be like them because the media and society sort of shows that this is what we want to be like. And then we get stuck in this sort of cycle that, you know, go to college, corporate job, and then you sort of get stuck there. So we never really get the chance to take our own initiative because we're always stuck aspiring to be other people. There are wealthy people with a sound moral compass. Just yeah, and people need to just trust that and find those people. Not every wealthy person is, is greedy and corrupt and not every middle-class person is noble. For mm-hmm. sure. It's mm-hmm. about mindset. And, you know, the more, like you just said, right, I oh. think this is the best thing to take away. You want to go back to the points where you're at the lowest of your time yep. because that'll bring the humility out of you even when you're at the highest peaks. Mm-hmm. And then... Because if you don't do it, is... life will do it. For sure. Right. Right. And... um well, I think that's a that's a good place for us to wrap yeah. up. So thank you for joining, taking time out to to join us on our podcast. Right. Really appreciate yeah, it. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. Yeah. Master. So yeah, thank you so much, Rahul, for having us. And hey, guys, everyone, check out the layman investor. He's his content is just amazing. It'll just open you guys up to a whole new realm. So once again, thank you, Rahul, so much. All the best. Yeah. All right. All right. Have thank a good you. day, everyone.